Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's The Hash. It's Three Box Tuesday. I'm Zach. That's Wendy O. We got Will. We're here to get you up to speed on what's going on in the world of crypto news. That's what we do on The Hash. It's fun. I'm glad we're here. Let's do it. Will, I think you're starting us off big time, big time political spending, some new data, interesting stuff. What do you got? It's just me or is a three box, just super intimidating. It's just the three of us. Four is comfy. Four of us is comfy. Miss Jen. Okay. Let's talk about SBF. Apparently a lot of people in Washington, DC have been taking cash from FTX. Of course, they thought it was legal at the time, but right now in the midst of chapter 11 bankruptcy filings, it's not a great place to be. According to Coindesk's own running of the numbers. About 196 members of the new Congress, including senators and congressmen themselves, have taken cash from SBF in various amounts of, you know, from $2,000 all the way up. And now everyone's looking at them being like, hey, what are we going to do with this money? According to uh, different lawyers and bankruptcy experts that Coindesk has spoken with, you do have to give this money back, quote, even if you're Mother Teresa. This is a pretty different angle than we've seen on a lot of the other stories about SBF because it says direct ties to people who are just elected to our democracy. And they're, of course, looking into these numbers themselves, being like, do I need to give this money back? A lot of them have opted to give the money back or have donated to charity. Thing here is, if you do donate to charity, you're still liable to give that money back to the creditors who are now processing through all the claims on FTX's balance sheet. Zach, I want to throw this one over to you. I love the story from Coindesk getting into the numbers on uh, the Chapter 11 filings here, because it's really important know who took money from SBF and, more importantly, who's going to give it back. One in three, nearly 200 lawmakers were affected by this. This is quite remarkable, right? I think the extent of SBF's contributions to the Biden campaign was widely reported and known. But this, to me, is pretty revealing that a significant chunk of cash was spent on members of Congress. Pretty crazy, given that he had been uh, granted such access to these lawmakers through numerous hearings both official and semi-official up on Capitol Hill. 
I mean, we shouldn't forget that Sam Bankman-Fried was a regular fixture in Capitol Hill toward the end of 2022 there before everything hit the fan in November. He was up there speaking on behalf of the industry and advocating for what some argued was more restrictive policies around DeFi and things that would have made on-chain crypto activity much more difficult in terms of being regulated and compliant. So this is wild that in addition to the spending lavishly on sports sponsorships and other marketing efforts, political contributions was up there quite a bit in terms of how far SBF reached into that conversation. I'm never going to tire of how crazy this story is that the person who was seen as the trusted voice for the crypto industry on Capitol Hill turned out to be an alleged fraudster is really just one of the more shocking things to have ever happened in this industry. And it's just like a great American story. It's like Gatsby-esque or something. I don't know what the word would be, but it's crazy that this data supports just how absurd the reality is that played out at the end of 2022 with these revelations starting in November. Just wild. Wendy, I don't know. So there's a lot to kind of discuss in this particular topic. First off, there are bad actors in every industry. Absolutely. There are psychopaths in every single industry. And the reason why we're seeing this more highlighted in crypto is because of crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter is so toxic and vile at times, like everybody is out there in full force battling. Just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Genesis and Digital Currency Group, those guys going head to head on crypto Twitter. That is not something that you see in traditional finance. A lot of that stuff is done behind closed doors. So it makes our industry look a lot worse. However, with that being said, this really stems back to our public servant. Why are they allowed to take donations? Why can't they operate on the budgets that are already given to them through our tax dollars? So that makes me take a step back and ask a bigger question. Like who's really at fault here? If SBF got caught giving money to one out of three lawmakers in the United States of America, just imagine other industries, how much money that they're giving to these lawmakers that isn't being disclosed. And again, I don't have the data on that right now, but if we're seeing just one entity like FTX, a multi-billion dollar entity, FTX giving all this money to all these lawmakers, imagine what some of these other large corporations are doing that, have, that has the capital in the food industry, in the retail industry, in the delivery industry, pharma, pharmaceutical industry, banking industry. There's people with way more money than SBF and it's still happening. So realistically, this is a American problem. It's an American government problem. It's a problem with our public servants. And it kind of needs to stop. I'm kind of at the point to where we shouldn't, if you're going to be a public servant, you actually need to serve the people instead of doing it for money and accepting all this money on the back end. It's a ridiculous story to me. It's absolutely disgusting. And I just want to see better from our public servants on all end. And again, you guys, this isn't just happening in crypto. This is people sort of exercising or basically articulating their support, right? Articulating their support in form of contribution, whether it's a small time, person or a big business. And this is kind of how it works, I think, in modern US democracy. And oftentimes checks shouldn't. get people's ear. I guess you're right. It shouldn't. It shouldn't necessarily be that, oh, I wrote $2,900 to a you know, congressional member and now he's going to hear me out potentially on crypto issues that matter to me. Some of these amounts are relatively small. Maybe it should work this way where you and I can do this potentially with the equal, equally the same footing as someone like Sam Bankman-Fried. Potentially, that is the way it should work. But I agree that this is across the board how industries get their stories heard on K Street, right? That oftentimes they hire big lobbying firms to further advance these messages. Honestly, maybe the direct contributions are less impactful than some of the lobbying spend that we've seen from big actors in this space over the last few years who have really tried to get that story out there to regulators in a way that they understand. So this to me is something that is absolutely, to Wendy's point, you know, par for the course, standard operating procedure as it relates to how our democracy functions, maybe for better or worse. And it's not necessarily a crypto story, but a DC story. And I hear you on that. Will, I'm going to kick it to you. Sorry for stepping on you. 
Now, I want to push back a little bit on what you guys are saying, because I do think that the sword cuts both ways, right? So in the case of SBF, you don't like the fact that he was lobbying on behalf of the industry because, in fact, he was going against the industry in many ways. Zach, you brought up the DeFi stuff that he was talking about in August. That definitely hurt the industry. That being said, there's a lot of people in Washington, D.C. or other governments around the world who do not like crypto and don't want crypto to be pushed forward. I was talking to a large public miner the other day about this whole issue, their list on the NASDAQ, and his number one concern is actually government. It's not about Bitcoin. It's not about mining. It's not about like the state they're operating in. It's about the federal government coming down, pushing down on their business. So I do think a lot of these bigger CEOs, these, these people who have large pocketbooks because they run profitable businesses in the space, they want to be influential in DC because they are worried about the space in an actual way. They're worried about regulators coming in and squashing a new industry that's just starting up that has so many benefits. I think we just really got an unlucky hand, right? Like we, we hit the eight ball really early with SBF and we shouldn't have. And that's unfortunate, but it's where we're at. I still think that we need to have industry leaders in Washington, D.C. I don't like the lobbyist part. I agree with both you guys. That is just the unfortunate part of our democracy. But I think it is important if that's how the game is played to have good representation on Capitol Hill. Zach, back to you. And those people are going to have to like double down on their efforts because as articulated in this article, there is a massive amount of distrust out there right now that their trusted gateway to the crypto industry turned out to be allegedly a massive fraud. That is uh, giving them much doubt, right? The guy who is quoted in the kicker is saying, it's hard for us not to believe that there aren't other FTXs out there. So you better believe that that lobbying spend that you mentioned, Will, uh, might be getting ramped up to sort of correct that is indeed a misperception. Anyway, good times, DC. All right, let's change gears. Wendy, let's go to Binance. What do you got? Really quick, before I talk about Binance, I'm going to put my tinfoil crown <laughs> on and say, what if, what if SBF did this to bring down the United States government? It was like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and give all these people money. We're going to give one at 200 lawmakers money and just show how terrible and corrupt the system is. Woo, just kidding. All right, let's get back into my story. So Sorry, good. guys, Jen isn't here, so I got to pick up the slack. Got to pick up the slack. All right, so BNB chain burns over 500 million in BNB tokens. This is always exciting when it happens. I feel like, I, I want to say this is a quarterly thing that finance does. I think that they've always been honest and transparent about it. I think it's super cool. But let's read a little bit about it. So BNB chain burned over 575 million worth of BNB as part of a broader program. It includes the auto burn as well as pioneer burn program. But let's talk about why finance burns BNB. The commitment was made back in 2017 to delete, I don't like that term, but okay, 100 million BNB from circulation to keep only 100 million BNB in circulation. The commitment is automatically honored each quarter and calculated according to auto burn formula and the mechanism is independent of the Binance exchange. Yay, I learned something and I also fact checked myself. And as you guys can see, BNB is currently trading at $302.84 and it's held pretty well considering the crypto contagion. Will, I would like to hear your take on this fun story. Yeah, this is an interesting story because it is like a different mechanism than a lot of chains use. BNB smart chain is the, is the actual like blockchain of sorts for the Binance ecosystem. I say of sorts because there's a few things about it that are a little bit different than Bitcoin or Ethereum. Binance has a lot of ownership of this chain. In the past, when it's had problems, they've restarted it, they've halted it. Uh, when there's been hacks and things, they've messed around with it as well. And this whole story sort of revolves around a central figure or a central point of the Binance Smart Chain, which is the ability to burn tokens quarterly. They basically burn those tokens based on how much revenue Binance gets. So this is actually a helpful metric for understanding how healthy Binance is. If they burn a lot of tokens over a quarter, that probably means they had really good revenue. 
If they did not burn that many tokens over a quarter, that means their revenue was not that good. So that's sort of like the basic metric to take away from this and walk away from it. That being said, Binance has changed this chain and has changed the burn rate quite a bit in the past. They've changed the white paper. They've made changes when hacks have happened. So it's not all cheery and roses here. There is some considerations to be made when you look into this. There are things that they change. And you know it is their project. By the same time, it's good to see a little bit more transparency on subjects like this because it's not always like they burned this amount of tokens and everyone can trust that. They change it because it sort of is their property. It exists in this quasi world where, yes, there is a bunch of different validators and you can become your own Binance validator if you have enough BNB token. But Binance also doesn't reveal the validators and has in the past changed the specs for the chain. So it's a little bit in between. Zach, I'm going to throw the story over to you get your take on it. Yeah. Exchange tokens, I feel like if there's anything that is just waiting for like a securities violation crackdown, it's exchange tokens and BNB is chief <laughs> among them, right? And I think like whatever, if this is a mechanism to like make it seem less like a bootleg security, then by all means, go for it. A lot of people have BNB across the ecosystem. They use it to reap benefits for trading on the Binance platform. But it sure seems sort of like a bootleg stock that people are trading in relation to their perception of the health of these companies, right? We saw this with Celsius, they have the sell token. BNB is obviously the most famous example, but there are others in this space that have exchange tokens that provide some functionality, but more, more than anything, kind of operate like a fake stock, right? And so I think uh, whether this mechanism is meant to sort of assuage some of those concerns on the regulatory side, you know, that may be a good thing. But honestly, I think that's sort of the sub-narrative that is interesting to me uh, is how these things continue to evade crackdown from securities regulators in different jurisdictions around the world. That's my initial thought relative to this story. Wendy, what do you think? Part of the problem is, again, we don't have clear laws and regulations. And I feel like some of the Southeast Asian areas, they're a little bit more progressive than we are, especially in the United States. But at the same time, like, again, this is why we can't have nice things in America is our public servants can't get it together. They can't come up with clear guidelines and regulations. And I really like the point that Will brought out is that, and this kind of relates back to Bitcoin, is we do have projects like BNB and we do have like projects like Ethereum and everybody claims that they're super decentralized, but realistically they're not because there's people behind it that are actively doing things to kind of modify different aspects of the project. And I like BNB. I hold quite a bit of it. I think it's great. I like, you know, Binance Smart Chain, super cheap to send transactions back and forth. But at the same time, it's still a very centralized project, especially when you have somebody, you know, making choices and modifications on how much you're going to burn and when you're going to burn. So is what it is. And that's, I guess, why we kind of go back to Bitcoin as the, not, I don't want to say the end all be all, but as the one that kind of tried and true for true decentralization to an extent, to an extent. Interesting. Interesting. You love mm. to hear it. All right. We'll leave that conversation there. Thank you so much. We had an appearance on Tuesday from the tinfoil tiara, and that is a major victory in my book. We might need to bust it out in the next segment, though, because you know what it's about. CBDCs, central bank, digital currencies, Bank of America is all about it. They say CBDCs and stablecoins are the future of money. And they're also, quote, the most significant technological advancement in the history of money. Now, CBDCs, they're issued by central banks. They rely on some of the benefits of a distributed ledger and also some of the benefits of programmability that you can make into these things, which I think is cool when it's tax time because doing taxes sucks. And if that was able to be programmed into some smart contract where my taxes were paid immediately through my CBDC, I'm all for it. Privacy concerns, surveillance, 
whatever. Convenience, I'm for it. B of A saw me talking about this the other day. I know it. And they wrote a research report that Will Canning got his hands on on Tuesday, and they're feeling it too. So I'm going to toss it to the tinfoil tiara queen, Wendy O. What do you think about this B of A report on CBDCs? So you, you really got me at a weak spot when you talked about taxes because the amount of money I paid to do, I paid like 20 grand to do my taxes in 2021. I don't know, the last tax season. It's like absolutely crazy. I think the way that the tax system is set up is a scam. And I really hope that we get that bill pushed through to remove the income tax thing. I don't care who's pushing it through. I'm just so tired of paying money when inflation is so high. Neither here nor there. I like CBDCs for literally that aspect when it comes to taxes only, but otherwise I don't care for them. I think that they're predatory. I think that they're going to cause a lot of problems. I think that it's basically going to be done to control society and to force us to submit to them even more than we're already submitting. My personal opinion, I think what they're going to do is, is they're going to completely reset all of the trillions of dollars worth of debt that we're in and then just kind of go with this CBDC and make everything all hunky-dory, make it, you know, market it like it's this good, fantastic thing when in reality it's not a good thing. They're going to be tracking you. They're going to be monitoring you. They're going to be telling you what you can and can't do. And best believe if you accidentally accept money from somebody that may have had a parking ticket 30 years ago, they're going to make your life an absolute living heck. Well, Zach, your contrarian take is just the worst. I know you don't mean it. I know you don't mean it. This is just like the Trojan horse and you're inside or no, like the government's inside the Trojan horse. And then you're on like outside welcoming the CBDC into the village because you're like, oh, I don't have to do my me. taxes. That's Nobody like, wants cool. that, right? Yeah. yeah, you're just like cheerleading from the side. I'm wheeling but, down, what, I'm wheeling like down the gate <laughs> to cover the moat so that they can roll in <laughs> the Trojan them in. for totally controlling my financial my Zach financial wants weapon. to end the IRS with like complete and utter control. That's what he wants to do. That's his mm-hmm. action plan. Let's He's the Trojan Let's horse going to end the IRS and then all this floods are going to get released of all this other terrible you things and your that are freedom money. You and your Bitcoiners with your freedom money. Just give me convenience and control. <laughs> Make it work. Anyway, Will, what were you saying? No, I, I think this is the way things are going. So get comfortable or don't get comfortable. It's your choice. It's just going to be the reality of things. I do think that like the technology here underlying is just the ability to halt sensor and stop transactions and know where these transactions are at any point. So in the traditional banking sector right now and how digital dollars work right now, there's not a lot of clear understanding about how these things work, right? So you have a digital dollar in your bank account and that bank account knows about that dollar or that bank, that commercial bank knows about that dollar. The Federal Reserve doesn't necessarily know that that dollar exists there. They know that those dollars are out there. They have a general trend of it, but they can't really track them right as granularly as something as a CBDC would. So that's where the the technological edge, if you will, here. The one thing I want to link it to is the China report that we actually had this morning saying that the Chinese government has now actually seen the first use of a CBDC for purchasing a security. So you're seeing that it's actually ramping up there pretty quickly. We had the report the other day that about like 0.2% or less of actual cash in China is CBDCs. But that's growing, right? It was into the billions already. And the amount of private stable coins versus the amount of public stable coins in circulation could catch up pretty quickly if we have the same trajectory. So that all being said, BOA report, again, another one of these you know big bank reports that doesn't say anything interesting, but just has the facts and the reality of nature. Congrats to you guys again for writing another document that we didn't really need. This is what's going to happen. We all just got to get used to it. Wendy, I'll throw it back over to you. Writing another document that we don't need, and it's probably not in plain English either. Was it in plain English? Yeah, they got me with it. They got me. They got me, guys. You just wanted to get got, though. 
You they literally converted it, yeah. Zach. They literally it, yeah. converted Zach from like working in Web3, working in crypto, working for this mm -hmm. like truly yep. decentralized future, yep. operating in this decentralized economy. They got Zach. They got him. Yep. Man what, down. Digital Jen yuan. has her all, NFT thing. All my bags. Digital yuans. That's it. <laughs> Jen has the NFT thing. Wendy has the trading thing. I guess I have the Bitcoin thing. Zach can be the CBDC guy. We all need to have our thing on the show. So it it's out. really, it's the worst hill to die on, but I'm going to plant that flag <laughs> now. Zach, you know, I think the thing is, is Zach is just older and he just is like really True. tired and he's, he's an angry man that's yelling on his lawn, True. like, get off my lawn. I don't want to pay to do my taxes. Just take my mm -hmm. money and leave me alone, man. 100%. Hundo P. That's, 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 the that's HR block is there. Yeah. HR block is going out of business when the digital dollar comes and we're ready for it. <laughs> all right. That's it, folks. Next week on The Hash, sponsored by H&R Block, the importance of taxes <laughs> and why you should get ahead of it with your local tax professional. JK, that was free. All right, that's it. We're still in Davos, apparently. The Coindesk TV team is in Davos covering the World Economic Forum. So check that out. There's a whole bevy of special coverage going on, both morning, day, and night. Check that out. Christine Lee, all bundled up in the parka. It's cold over there, folks. Check out that stuff. We're doing it for you. All right, that's it for the show today. I'm Zach Seward, Wendy O, Will Foxley, or The Hash. We'll be back tomorrow. Happy Taco Tuesday if you celebrate, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 